0: Hello, welcome back to Oz Australia's only business and markets live streaming channel. Great to have your company for the next hour or so for a segment we call The Call. Uh, 10 stocks that you suggest us to uh, have deeper analysis of. We put it to our expert panel for their guidance. Um, Plus something a bit different uh, this week uh, or the next two weeks. I'm asking each of our panelists if they had one stock that could potentially change your life as an investor over the next five years, what it would be. Um, yesterday, of course, we had Nathan Somersandaran and uh, Gorab Sodion, and uh, Gorab chose Ordnate with its uh, the audio and, and video technology software company with its Dante software. And Mathan um, and chose IGO, a a nickel cum lithium miner. Um, that he thinks could be uh, one of those stocks that might shoot the lights out in the next five years and change your life. So I've got to put the same thing to our panelists today. Mark Morland from Team Invest. How are you, Mark? Koshy, excellent, Thank And you. Julia Lee from uh, Berman Invest. Julia, great to have your company.
1: Great to be here, thanks, Koshi.
0: Um, now, Mark Morland, Team Invest takes on the, the sort of Buffett style investment uh, principles. Yes. Uh, how do you analyze a stock that could change your life? Well, well, we What's your definition? Well,
2: okay, our approach is not one stock changing your life. It's yep. a portfolio. Yep. And we look at it as being, it's not a shoot the lights out kind of thing where you get 10,000% on one stock because we, we would never be investing in anything that could probably ever do that. Right. So what, we, what we're interested in are what are the solid and reliable companies with sustainable business models and uh, uh, founder CEOs ideally who you can trust not right. in very low debt. not in super, super low risk and sustainable businesses where you can buy it at a price that gives you a decent uh, compound return over time is the way we look at it. So right. it's like a get rich slowly approach rather right. than you know changing your life. Right. The trouble with changing your life is if you say that, then you, by definition you've got to go for something really speculative. Yep. You know, To do that. Yeah.
0: So and you can do that, but that's yeah, not yeah. A, that's and not an
2: investment strategy. Uh,
0: no, no, yeah. but that's one stock in a portfolio yeah. Yeah, that sure, sure. is the high risk yeah. at the end. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. In your mind, what would be well, a, a yeah, stock that changes? Well, your there's life?
2: one that I'm invested in, which is a U.S. stock called uh, Editas, which is right. Ed, Ed, E, e D I T is the code. Right. Uh, that's the company that makes the uh, uh, genome sequencing machines. Oh. So they're the largest supplier oh. in the world. Right. And they have the well, they own and they've got all the CRISPR. Um, uh, or not all of it. They've got uh, they've got a lot of IP, enormous amount of IP in the business. Right. And the they're making better, faster. Gene sequences. So oh. their sales are going like that. Oh, because okay. now what's happening is gene sequences getting down from universities to clinics. to And it's a massive growth area. You know, really? And when you look at um, medicine that's going to be designed to fix you individually. Because yeah. they sequence your genes, work out exactly what you're allergic to, what you're not, what's right. going to work, and so on. So that's the future. Right. So I think that's, uh, that's it one of the issues. Now it doesn't pass our filters, right. but I'm an investor in it. Oh, but for that's me, it's in my. I've got a, I've got a portfolio of US... Tech stocks like that, mainly right. in the uh, health and uh, genetics area. Oh, that's so, interesting. But I'm I'm not assuming. I just put X dollars in. Fix it, oh, yeah, 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 Forget about it. Yep. And if it goes, they go broke. This one won't. Fascinating. But if they go broke, percent. I'll forget it. Yep. Yeah. Edit, Edit.
0: Um, So we'll put that in the group. And of course, it's so easy to invest in American stocks yeah. at the moment, isn't it? But I know a superhero is even letting you do it now mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. a lot of different platforms. Yep. That's right. Okay. Um, Julia Lee from Berman Invest, one stock that could change your life over the next five years, what would it be?
1: I think the problem with one stock that's going to change your life is that it has to be a specy stock, which means you have to go way up the risk spectrum. So I guess just a bit of a warning beforehand that this is not typically how we invest, but you're looking at high risk, high potential return, but high potential okay, losses Okay, so there. you
0: don't have, hang on, you don't have one stock like that in your portfolio, one or two stocks?
1: Well, I've gone outside the portfolio because if I was to choose something like that, what I would probably do is have a look at the structural trends that were already in play and were likely to grow significantly over the next decade. And we know that one of those trends is of course the move to clean energy. So the area that I've chosen to go with is hydrogen energy. Now hydrogen energy is seen as a clean energy because after the burning process what you're left with is water. Unlike coal when you're burning that off you're left with CO2 which of course is a polluting agent. So at the moment a lot of the hydrogen energy that we consume is through LNG liquefied natural gas. But of course the magic word is really green hydrogen where you are utilizing I guess something like solar or renewable power to try and kickstart that process. So the specy stock I've gone with is Hazer Group. HZR is the stock code. Mineral Resources actually owns almost 5% of this company, so if you want to go down a less risky avenue, then you can always play it through Mineral Resources with its holding of around about 5% in this particular company. But what this company has is um, a proprietary process, and what it does is it uses iron ore so that, after the uh when it goes through the process it's left with hydrogen and the other byproduct is also graphite which of course is rising in terms of demand because of the whole uh, electric vehicle evolution. So I guess it's a bit of a specky one. It does, ha- It is at the start of its journey, which is what you want to look for when I guess there's a stock that might potentially change your life. But of course, the key thing with hydrogen at the moment is getting it down to a lower cost because it's relatively mm. expensive. And if we can see that over the next three to five years, then of course, it's a massive market. The hydrogen market's worth more than 130 billion US dollars at the moment.
0: Yeah. Okay. Mm. Two great stocks for us to have a look at. Thank you for that. Uh, there you can see the Hazer Group uh, chart there around 90 cents. All right. Let's get into um, the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Julia Guy wants a view on Liontown Resources. It's uh, basically an exploration company um, that has got um, gold exploration areas, also lithium, Uh, Its chairman is Tim Goida, Richard Goida's cousin from ex um, um, uh, uh, chairman of Woodside and also Qantas. um, And also as a related company to Chalice, uh, which was the best performing stock on the Australian share market for the last financial year. Linetown and Chalice are sort of related through that Tim Goida network. Um, what do you think of Lime Town, Julia?
1: Sure, this is all about the electric vehicle story. So it is lithium which is driving the price. And if we have a look at electric vehicles, we know that countries around the world are being driven by regulatory changes, which essentially are going to try and phase out the sale of petrol and diesel cars, uh, new cars. So this is occurring much faster than I think most people anticipated, which means that the growth profile and the amount of resource needed is a lot greater as well. So most analysts forecast strong rise in terms of lithium prices not only that uh, those metals which are related to electric vehicle use as well so that electric vehicle story i think has real legs and there are a number of companies that are doing really well from it and lion town is just one of them i guess what's attractive about lion town is it is looking to develop into a tier one resource it has one of the world's largest uh hard uh, lithium deposits in the world. And when you look at lithium, you can either look at lithium brine or lithium hard rock. And hard rock, of course, is higher quality, which is what Town has. So it's in the right place at the right time. Um, I like it. Um, of course, with any sort of mining company, it is relatively, uh, there is a speculative uh, uh a speculative component involved. And of course, keeping in mind that when you're building a mine at the moment, that costs are rising because of what we are seeing with COVID-19 and workers and closed borders.
0: So would you see it as a buyer at at these prices? Yes. Okay, all right. Um, What do you reckon, Mark?
2: I I think it's terrible. Um, It's actually been losing money very heavily for the last 10 years. Um, so they're, they're talking about lithium, so they're in a sexy area now, but they're yep. very late to the party. When I say late to the party, they've been around for at least 10 years, obviously longer, yep. but I've got 10 years of data. Uh, last year they lost 196% return on equity, which in other words, negative, which means that they've lost more than their total capital in the business. So right. their they're, they're shareholding, if you look at shares outstanding, uh, it's gone up from 269 million uh, 10 years ago to 1.7 billion. Uh, now. So what they're doing is they've effectively been raising, 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 raising shares all the way through to fund ongoing losses. Mm. So the the actual loss rate is very, very heavy. Now, they may end up being able to turn this into a business, but why would you bother? I mean, there's other companies already who are way better positioned and actually in the market and making lots of money, like mineral resources, which Julia mentioned before. Um, They've got not only two lithium hydroxide, sorry, to to establish hard rock lithium mines and she's right about the hard rock lithium is the higher quality which means it goes into the higher quality batteries in mercedes and uh, teslas and so on and then the chinese cows will probably get brine batteries right which have lower so less storage and so on um so that's all great but there's no shortage of lithium around and there's plenty of players out there who have potential deposits or they have deposits that they're going to try and turn into mines whether they can actually do that and make money is anyone's yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, there's a big difference between being an explorer and actually being a successful miner and making money. Yeah. These guys are so far away from that. Yeah. Uh, they maybe will maybe there will be a T1 so, one so miner. why
0: why have investors got into it so much? One of the oh, oh, oh. the best performers, yeah, on the market in the last 12 months. Well, they're it's buying up, the stories. I
2: mean, that's that's all and maybe the story's true. Yeah. It's just that yeah, from our experience, stories often don't pan out to to uh, yeah. being reality. We like we like to see the evidence. Right. Yeah, before um, so I wouldn't touch it.
0: Right. So if you've been in it, well, it's, I, I can see year, no redeeming year.
2: features for this business right? On, on anything to do with the financials. Uh, okay. So,
0: so if you're a in it, you'd take your profits. Well,
2: if it's the share price has gone up, uh, what's the share price now? It's gone 90 up a lot cents. It? Okay, so I think that'd and be an excellent opportunity. It's to sell. gone
0: from 11 cents to 90. Well, I'd
2: take to the 90 cents if I had yeah. them, but I wouldn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. And
1: Koshi, I guess it's a, a different way of looking at things as well. When you're valuing a, an asset or a company, you can have a look at the assets it's hold and tr- try and value the assets Hold, or you can just look at you know past cash flow which mark is doing which has obviously been negative and for people who are in lion town they're obviously not in because of the last 10 years what they're in is because of the resource in the ground it's uh, high quality it's one of the world's uh, greatest high quality largest um, hard rock lithium resources so to put a value of that at at zero because it hasn't been taken out of the ground I think is a little bit harsh yes it's going that. to cost a lot to develop but of course it's only yeah. going to be developed if prices justify it yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: And of course I'm not putting a zero value on it yeah I'm just saying to turn a resource into a productive business that makes money is yeah. very difficult
0: okay yeah all right uh, Peter wants to view a mark on horizon oil uh, Peter says Would love your analyst view on it. The stock stands out to me as a producer, not an explorer positive operating cash flows at a share price of only 10 cents. Um, I'm impressed by management to focus on capital management as demonstrated by the company paying down debt and a share buyback program um, and a plan to uh, return share capital funded entirely out of cash reserves with cash operating costs under $20 a barrel. And current oil price above seventy dollars a barrel, is this a stock worth a speculative buy? Is uh, Peter's question to you? They, they of course uh, produce in uh, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, and China.
2: Yeah, the the problem, the problem with this company is they've. If you look at their history. Uh, I don't know about being cash flow positive. That may be. what You've got to be careful sometimes with uh, miners as well. Like when, when a company says our uh, our, our all our in cost. Now, what's all in cost? Well, does that include all the capital costs? You know, the invested, yeah. the, you know, the amortized or depreciation values. Well, often they don't. It's yeah. like Fortescue, for instance. They they quote sort of under twenty dollars, but if you add in all the uh, the the value of the assets and depreci- depreciation, yeah. so it's more like forty
0: dollars. Right. You know, the actual yeah. cost.
2: So if you don't take any of that, so from a cash flow point of view. For the cost of getting there, or well, what their share of the oil they, that is that is uh, taken out, if they're selling that, that's cash flow positive. That doesn't really help you if the business is losing a lot of money. And last year they lost, um, well, the the loss was massive. So the market cap's only 143 million, and I'll tell you what the loss was uh, per share. Loss, 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 loss. Where are we? So um, it is uh, earnings per share were. Actually, I'll take it back. The the uh, EPS for last year was point. Um, uh, Oh oh eight cents so it's point point eight of one cent right uh, so, so it did make a profit and before that it was uh, negative six cents the year before so it's made profit on a few years but there's nothing there you could predict and so and they are obviously in the commodity space and if you want to treat it speculatively there's an argument to say if you believe that they can uh, mm-hmm. that they can uh, pick up and do well then that you know you, you can make that call but I, I sure couldn't okay yeah uh,
0: Julia what do you think of horizon?
1: Yeah, I think it looks good. Um, I guess Mark has spoken about the last couple of years and when you're investing in an oil company, well, it's going to be dependent on the oil price. And of course, the last couple of years, we've dealt with COVID-19. At one, at one point in time, we saw oil prices actually below zero in the futures market. So, you know, you're coming off a, a pretty low base the last couple of years. The good news for Horizon Oil is that it is a low-cost producer, so it produces at 12 US a barrel. And of course, oil prices are now above 75 US a barrel. So there's a pretty fat margin in there. So for every $10 that you see the oil price increase, that equates to around about $8 million worth of profit for Horizon Oil. So it is a small company. I do feel like, Oshia, at the moment that the oil and gas companies are being discounted, and that's because of environmental, social and governance issues as the world moves to cleaner energy. And what I think that might mean is that you see a bit of takeover activity where the smaller ones maybe get together or the large ones take over the smaller ones in order to grow. So, look, I put a bit of a discount in terms of the traditional oil and gas space at the moment because uh, I guess the environmental social governance is really dictating money flows at the moment and that's coming from a regulatory level a high level government level as well as from an institutional fund flow level as well so that's something to consider but given where oil prices are at the moment you'd have to say that a lot of these oil and gas companies are going to see um an upgrade from analysts in this august reporting season
0: okay so um yes as a as a junior operator you'd see a at $0.11 a buying opportunity?
1: Yeah, it has positive free cash flow, which is why it's doing things like share buybacks and capital returns at the moment. So it's in, in a position where it's in a net cash position, which is quite unusual for a small oil and gas company. So it's making plenty of money. I guess it doesn't know what to do with it at the moment, and it is returning a lot of that to shareholders.
0: Okay, Yeah. all right. Um, Anthony wants a view Julia on Neo Metals, Anthony says, just looking at an interesting stock for the next five years, Uh, (laughs) Neo Metals changed from a miner to now looking into recycling lithium batteries, just started a partnership in Germany, uh, fairly heavily owned by insiders, low debt, good cash in the bank, just wondering if it can go into the portfolio. Um, What do you think of Neo Metals?
1: Uh, Neo metals probably too much on the speculative side for me. It is looking at uh, recycling of lithium batteries. Um, so it's pretty early on in terms of its journey. But given where we are seeing uh, growth in terms of lithium batteries, I guess if its uh, model is successful, then um, you know there there is potential growth here. But I think potential competition as well. So look, Neo is probably too speculative um, and too early stage for me to jump into this one.
0: Um
2: mm. no? uh, Yes, well, I, 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 agree with, I, agree with, I agree with that. Um, I trying to, I read that they had a, um, a, uh, a, mark, a plan, like a, a flowchart of how they were going to do the recycling. Yeah, yeah. I don't think and they've that, actually done it. It sounds to me like they have a plan.
0: No, um, they're being funded to do a um, right. demonstration plant okay. in Germany All and right. the German government okay. uh, has put money yeah. into
2: it. So, so in other words, they're, they're, that's the plan. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. so it's not really, that's, that part of it's not a business yet.
0: No, oh, no, no, So it's,
2: you know, and just because with the insiders, I mean, having uh, insiders having a lot of skin in the game uh, in a good business is a good thing. Yep. On, on more speculative business, <laughs> it can be that they think this is a real goer and they're playing it as a yep. short-term, spruik the price up and then uh, get out or something. That can happen as well. So yep. uh, you don't know what their motivation is on um, right. whether they're looking at this as a long-term business opportunity or just a quick, yep. you know, make a few quick bucks. Uh,
0: what's behind the share price increase, I think, is this... Um, these two German companies yep. who have agreed to build the demonstration plan in Germany to get it up and going okay and so, that's paid for by the Ger- German yeah, government by the German uh, government has an yeah. interest but two other German right. companies okay. all right um, jam wants to view mark on Qantas um, the day after city airports has had a big takeover offer by some of the super funds um, what do you think of the big Australian? Uh, uh, well, airlines, airlines
2: are, are, are at the best of times problematic. Yep. Um, Buffett classically uh, said that uh, he's lost a lot of money on airlines, yep. and he's done it more than once. He said uh, one of the AGMs I went to, he said that he'd signed up for a uh, like a health, health, um, a lifeline type service that whenever he was tempted <laughs> to buy an airline, he'd call them up and they'd talk him down. Well,
0: um, there's only one that's really performed, isn't it? Which is Alliance. Yeah. Uh, on the market, but it's more well, a mining services business. Well that's and so. right.
2: well he yeah, here, that's right. But in the US <laughs> here he, he, here he here actually in put in he actually put significant money, like I think ten billion in each one into uh, Delta, or, uh, United, but I think he bought four. Right. And put you know, it's like forty billion right. in. And then when the uh, coronavirus hit the share prices tanked and he actually sold. Right. Which was very right. unlike Buffett. Yeah. Uh, and they since then have come back in price. Now of course you don't know what's right. gonna happen and the yeah. The, uh, the US is back to 80% capacity now, yep. uh, apparently, so they've made a comeback. Airlines are difficult. They're enormously capital intensive. Uh, Qantas has got 560% debt to, to equity, yep. and that's not counting stuff that'll be off balance sheet. Yep. You know, leases for planes and so on, so uh, they, they're going to be fine when we uh, get back to normal. Yep. Uh, but Qantas aren't flying internationally at all. Maybe a bit of no. freight, perhaps, so I don't know, but they're definitely not flying passengers anyway. No. And uh, you know, so until we get back their, to some their
0: domestic business was always the most profitable, wasn't it? And yeah, their, and their frequent yeah. flyer. That's right, and that's sort of Verily. been that's
2: been stimulated again, hasn't it? Yeah, at the moment, yeah, yeah. with uh, with the lockdowns again. Look, um, it, it's very difficult to say what it's worth. It looks cheap on on on, on its metrics because um, it's got um, uh, very yeah. The, what's the share price at the moment? So It's down uh, to four ninety one. Four ninety one. I mean. It's going, to, it's going to be fine when we come out of this. But how long is that going to take? And is it cheap enough at the moment for you to say, yes, you'd, you'd want to take a position? I've uh, never been interested in it. Okay. Team Investors never looked at it.
0: Right. Julia?
1: <laughs> I was picking some up recently at $4.50 when the uh, New South Wales lockdown was... Um... Was announced Because we've seen this time and time before when we see the lockdown being announced, we see the travel companies being sold off and the supermarkets being bought up. And as we come to the end of the lockdown, well, you start to see a reversal of that. So in terms of a short term trade, you know, we've seen Qantas go from about $4.50 to about $4.97, I think today. Um, And then as a longer-term trade, we know that it's traded above $7 uh, pre-COVID-19. I think importantly, if you're buying a travel business or travel-related business, as we saw from Sydney airports yesterday, you're not valuing it on today's um, earnings or today's revenue. What you are doing is looking out to 2023 um, when things have normalized. So what you are buying is a recovery trade and that things will return to normal by about 2023. So in two years' time, you're expecting Um, Qantas shares to be trading at above $7 where it was before COVID-19. I guess in terms of the recovery path, um, we are slowly getting there and vaccinations are an important part of that. Uh, Domestically, we've seen a recovery up to 80% of pre-COVID-19 levels in the, the fourth quarter of the financial year. Um, and of course, now we've seen the lockdowns, there will be a short-term impact. But as vaccinations increase, I'm seeing these photos, Koshi, of my friends in Europe as though COVID never happened. Oh, and that's really because of the vaccination rate um, that we are seeing travel opening up in places like the US, uh, Hawaii, as well as over in uh, Europe. In Australia, it's a bit different because we've been behind the curve in terms of the vaccination compared to major economies out there. But I, I, I guess as uh, vaccinations become more normal, Normal and greater, more greatly utilized, that we'll see a return back to normal as well. Qantas, I think, is actually in a better place and will emerge uh, in a better place than it was pre COVID 19 because of the cost cutting that it has done. Mm. It's a much slimmer outfit. And if we have a look at, I guess, international travel, well, we know that's been pushed back time and time again. The latest was it was pushed back from October to a December reopening of international flights. Um, but If we have a look at the uh, domestic area, that's been uh, very strong. I guess some of that will start to decrease as international flights um, increase and people can holiday offshore rather than just in Australia. But if we have a look at some of the forecasts that Qantas has um, for next year, it expects that, for uh, its Qantas brand, that capacity will be at 107% of those pre-COVID-19 levels. And for the Jetstar brand, that it will be at 120%. So you could almost think of travel at the moment like a coiled spring. We've been um, starved of travel. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are itching. Mm-hmm. And once borders reopen, I think you'll see demand really shooting up initially. So you'll see an overshoot of those pre-COVID-19 levels.
0: Okay, so you like Qantas at at these levels uh, as an opening travel stock?
1: Yeah, I mean, short term, we pick some up at $4.50 and around the $5 mark, I'd be tempted to take profits on some of the holdings for the short term, only because we are coming up to August reporting season. And we know that the recent lockdowns in New South Wales would have had an impact on on travel temporarily. But if you are looking at it as a two to three year play, I think a lot of these travel infrastructure stocks are a no-brainer. Things like Qantas, Transurban, Atlas Alteria, we saw Sydney airports as well. And a real demand for some of these hard assets um, especially given the amount of money sloshing around the world mm. at the moment
0: okay all right um peter wants uh, a view julia on uh tessel group the the big um they're in the farming processing sales marketing of atlantic salmon based in tasmania big four brands tessel uh superior gold tasmanian smokehouse I didn't realise I owned caustic Seafoods. There you go. Um, yes. What do you think of tassel?
1: Yes, I mean I love fishing, David. So I prefer to go out and you know catch my own fish, but. If you can't do that and you're looking at farming of seafood then a lot of it is like agriculture it can be cyclical you can get diseases the quality of water is important and then on the demand side it depends on whether we're eating things like Atlantic salmon and prawns I think the good news is that we have seen a recovery in the export market so export prices are much higher Uh, I think uh, they're about 25% higher from the lows that we saw um, towards uh, last month which is great news because it means that the second half of 2021 should be better than the first half. So certainly conditions are improving and the export markets are starting to bounce back as well. So this is a bit of a recovery stock. I probably would put a little bit of money until we saw a bit more evidence that traction was a gaining ground, um, but it mm. looks like this is a COVID-19 recovery story um, okay. at the moment. Uh,
0: Mark?
2: Uh, we did, uh, Team Invest uh, had, did quite a lot of work on this company a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, as Julia mentioned, it's a little bit like agriculture. You know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Yeah. You know, so you can be. They've also had a lot of trouble with um, regulators or with uh, environmentalists you know, yes. to do with pollution. because yeah. they have nets with concentrated yeah. number of uh, uh, fish and salmon in there's there, and, been so a book out, and they I will probably like a shit storm under there.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite quite controversial book. On the whole, yeah. Of yeah the, so it's the not exactly it's
2: not environmental. It's not environmentally friendly. Let's put it that way. Mm. Um, anyway. Uh, we, we actually decided there was just too many risks of things that right. could damage the business. If you look at its financials and how it's operating, it's okay. Uh, we're showing it returning between about four and a half percent and eleven percent per year over the next five years. Yep. So it's okay. Um, but from our point of view, there was just too many and too many too many risks that you couldn't quantify. Um, the P/E ratio is at the bottom of the green at the moment, so it's on 8.8, which is is very low. Yeah. Uh, its normal range is about eight to 14 right. so it's at the absolute bottom of its range so if you do like it this is a it's a buy now uh, yeah. it's not a buy for for us so yeah, though because yeah. yeah four percent on a margin saved you to 11 on our default metrics
0: yeah is okay yeah but that, that's yeah, all it is but it doesn't shoot the lights it's, not, out. it's not exciting okay all right uh, let's just recap the um, uh, the first five yes. stocks uh, lion town yes from Julia a no from mark uh, same with horizon oil uh, no from both on neo and I'm quite just if you a no from Mark, but if you've got a two to three year view from Julia, it's worth um, uh, looking at at these levels as an opening stock uh, and tassel uh, a no from Mark. Uh, Julia saying it, it looks pretty cheap at the bottom of its range, as Mark was saying. Yeah. So if you want to put dribble a little bit in, it might be worthwhile, but don't right. don't overcommit. Um, here on the call we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the first of july last year thanks to our partner nab trade any stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio if it comes up again and doesn't get unanimous approval then it goes out let's take a look at how it's been doing for the uh this week up 0.7 percent up almost two percent for the month and since the first of july last year up just over 35 percent some of the stocks recently added by our expert panel, uh, Australian Pharmaceutical, Eclipse Group, Link Administration, Life360 and Hub24. Some of the stocks removed, Unity Group, Codan, and CSL. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, join us uh, this afternoon at 2.30 when we break down the reserve bank's uh, rates decision for july live and um, we've got kyle roda from uh, ig on the markets plus an all-star panel with some supers brian parker hsbc's paul Bloxham coverage starts when the data drops at 2 30 eastern right here on ausbiz let's get into uh our uh, next uh, five stocks and julia claire wants a view on g8 education the big child care center operator throughout the country not only here but also
1: so when i look at things like like child care i think the availability of jobs um which is a positive for g8 education and then add into the rising government subsidies from next year for child care and that Um, paints a pretty positive uh, backdrop for the sector. So I guess the question I ask myself is can things improve from where we are today in terms of childcare because that's what's going to improve in terms of the help the share price uh, rise and the valuation of the company? And I think the answer is yes, that conditions are improving and that there are tailwinds there, the most important one being the jobs market. But secondly, looking at those government subsidies. I guess on the flip side, though, they have had a number of underperforming centres. The good news is that they are looking at getting rid of them. So that is going to increase the profitability of their portfolio, which I think is a smart move for the long term. Um, So around about these levels, probably a a hold from me because counteracting that we know that the new south wales government is making preschool free next year as well so you've got a potential competitor to that childcare mm. space in uh the community preschool sector with it being uh being free versus um long daycare which of course will have extra subsidies so look probably a neutral from me here okay Mark?
2: uh yes no it's this, we don't like it at all yeah. um and the reason is it's um If you look at the last five years, it's been a straight line down on earnings. So the the kind of graphs we like going up, this has been going down. So it's not a COVID argument, it's a, uh, and the earnings have actually, over that period they've dropped from, let's show the high was 25 cents in 2015, and it's now down to 10 cents. So it's gone down 70%. Uh, in a straight line, yep. not, it's not one day a year. This is right. a, so, they're, they're, so their performance is not just a COVID like, induced. No, 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 no. no. There's yep. no. In fact, on COVID, there, just in the last period sales have dropped, right? As well. But I'm looking. I'm more interested in you know what the trend is, and the trend is they're not managing this business well. And as Julia said, they've got underperforming centers, and and this is sort of a, has been a roll-up model where they buy private right. centers and so on. And the idea is you buy it at a low PE because it's a private business, and you get the lift. Uh, on your listed PE, which normally is high, theirs at yeah. the moment is about 10. Right, so it's very low. Their PE is very low at the moment, and Julia's quite right. Yeah, you know, with uh, employment coming back and so on, they may st- they may be in a better position. But I'd point to the fact that they've got a history of not doing well for the last five years. Right. Um, so no, it's not expensive. And if you if you think that uh, it's going to turn around and now go ahead, you could buy it. Uh, we're showing it returning between negative 17% a year over the next five years to negative five is our most
0: positive. Oh, okay. So it's
2: a lose money for you in our view. Even at the low P
0: it is at the moment. All right. Thank you, Claire, for suggesting that. Uh, Mark, Ben wants a view on NearMap, the uh, big aerial imaging company. Um, uh, Solid financial updates um, most recently, but then, announcing they're in a bit of a legal issue with a firm on patent infringement as well over its technology. So yeah. it's um, been a bit of a messy month or two, has that? Yeah, it has. Know. And the,
2: the the losses have been growing. I mean, they, they had a couple of profitable years uh, in 2011 and 2014, the only two years they ever made a profit. This is a company that's had a lot of good story about it. I mean, yeah. I used to be a shareholder in it a long time ago because um, it sounded exciting and it all, yeah. you know, it all, it all sounds good, yeah. uh, but it hasn't really... It hasn't really uh, delivered uh, in a business sense, yeah. so it's still it's still um, it's still uh, losing uh, quite of money. It has some debt now, which it never had before twenty five percent debt to equity, um, and I can't I couldn't do an estimate on it. Shares outstanding have grown by about one hundred and fifty million from three hundred and twenty over the over the period, and uh, their their loss was an absolute record um, at um, uh, on uh, for two thousand and twenty. So. They had a return on e- return on equity negative sixty four percent.
0: And there's, uh, a bit, there's a bit which, of competition out there yeah. too. Well, they've been like around for a long time, and they
2: don't seem to have been. Yep. You know, there's always a story. Yeah, but I haven't seen it materialize, so I would I would have zero interest in this. Okay, uh,
0: Julia map.
1: Yeah, I guess the NearMap story is about um, aerial photography, so instead of, you know, councils having to go and visit houses, and they can use NearMap's technology to have a look at things like that. Um, recently, they've also gone into the area of rooftops, so um, being able to work out size and, I guess, the shape of, of rooftops, and that's where they're facing the legal action by Eagle View, which is one of their competitors over in the US. So there's a bit of uncertainty over NearMap's, given that we don't know what's going to happen um, because it is subject to that uh, court case, whether there is going to be a large fine or whether it won't be able to use that technology. So there's a lot of uncertainty in that stock. Um, So I guess for for maps, it it is um, an unloved stock at the moment. It is not very popular on the market. It's also in a downgrade cycle because we have seen target prices decreasing. So really the upside from this is if it does surprise in terms of growth um, and we do see good growth rates coming out of the US despite that um uh, that court case. But the view at the moment is that because of that court case, that may actually uh, hamper that their growth over in the US. Um, so really, the market's focused on the bear case at the moment. But of course, if you see a reversal of any of those conditions, well, we can, well you know what happens when a stock comes out with positive news and it's um, got a high level of short sellers in the stock. So look, an interesting one, a high risk one. Um, I guess this is one where it's more of a gamble rather than anything else, yep. because at the moment, a lot of the uh, a lot of the different uh, things are pointing to uh, negative things. Um, but this reporting season, I think, uh, will be a, a key test one for new maps.
0: OK. All right. So not at the moment. Wait for that reporting season. Um, Jake wants to view Julia on Freelancer, the, uh, the online, if you like, employment, um, platform for freelancers and contract staff?
1: Yeah, this is all about the gig economy. So um, we know that this is a growing uh, workforce and freelancer has seen massive amounts of growth already. So um, there. are they have 53 different regional websites in 34 different languages so you're really looking at a, a global growth story here and i guess the big question is whether you expect that gig economy to keep on growing and freelancer able to continue to increase um, their share of the market the global market i like freelancer i've used them before as well so i think the way it works is that you advertise a job on the website. And then you advertise a price and you have people that bid for that price. Um, And then I think freelancer takes a a cut of that payment. So they take, I think, something like 30% of that payment. Um, So I've used uh, Freelancer, Airtasker, Upwork, a number of different things depending on on what I need. So I can definitely see the benefits of that. Um, The key is, I guess, trying to... um, come to profitability Um, but they have seen strong growth and the good news is that they are are ahead of their ipo forecasts as well so very early on in their journey i'd put a little bit in at this stage but definitely i think the gig economy is an increasing workforce a global workforce and the growth is still ahead of them Mm. okay mark Uh,
2: i think it's been a very disappointing company Um, uh, julia's right it's in a sexy space Uh, if you look at their growth the growth has really been on their platforms and Their different countries they're marketing in, but it hasn't been reflected in sales. So when they listed, they had $18.5 million in in sales and they made 800,000 profit. That's the only profit they've ever made, you know, since they were listed. And then in the last five years, the earnings have gone from, uh, sorry, the sales, revenue's gone from 52 million, 49, 51, 57, 58. It's largely flat. That's not growth. That's basically, they're going nowhere. So they're just maintaining it and they've been losing between six hundred thousand and five million a year, depending on which year. Yeah. So um, sales are up a little bit, but your sales ultimately they have to grow a lot faster than that for the company to get a bit of scale to make money. So they've had eight uh, eight years now, and they and they, if you look at the share price, uh, it was two sixty back in two thirteen. It's now a dollar seventeen, and since then the low was. Seventy-five cents in two twenty, and the high has been around dollar eighty, dollar ninety. So, right. so it has been a miserable performer for anyone who's a shareholder, unless yep. you bought it right at the one of the lows, like two thousand eighteen. The low was thirty-one cents. Yep. So you'd be happy if you did that.
0: Um, it just hasn't performed. Okay. All so right. it'd be no, no for me. No from uh, from Mark on freelancer. Uh, now Dragon Tail Systems. Brady wants a view on this. It's a bit of an unusual question because it's not a. A buyholder sell because it's been taken over. Uh, Brady saying would like to get the panel's view after their recent acquisition by Yum Foods, which is the massive global food brand. Um, Dragon Tail did the is basically provides technology for the uh, fast food area. It was built its business around Domino's pizzas, providing the technology. Um, so customers can see the pizza being made and, and, and also, um, to check the quality of the pizza as it came out. So it's really, count, really, count, count the pieces doesn't. of
2: pepperoni and that's, yeah, what's yeah. That, that that's I, right. To,
0: yeah. which is amazing. Um, unfortunately, he, uh, Brady, uh, bought uh dragon tail at 18 cents. Unfortunately, this acquisition means no rocket emojis for me, but perhaps it's a good example for a discussion. On the implications of company acquisitions such as this, and how you should act as a shareholder on it. Mine?
2: Uh, well, it's hard to generalise because yep. you have to look at each one, you know, specifically with what it is. I mean, it, their, their gross sales are 1.9 million. Right. So, so it's, it's a so that's what it is is they bought they bought stage. their they bought their technology. Yeah. So well, that's what Yum have done. So Yum have uh, are
0: they are they taking it in house or are they? Yeah, they're taking it over completely, but. Also, apparently going to to let it have outside customers as well yeah. and keep the yeah. the pizza. But uh, Yum! Do yeah, that Taco Bell's? Oh, and a whole big, bunch big American group. Big yeah. American yeah. group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Fast food. No, yeah. that's fine. But so, he, are they buying? Are they paying a certain amount to shareholders? Is that what they're doing? Ah, no. uh, yes. Okay. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. No, so, exactly. So, so that's that's a...
0: So they're paying paying the twenty three cents. Right. Uh, Brady got in at eighteen, okay. and all right. Well, he's in the black.
2: Yeah. Um, it, look, from our point of view, when there's takeovers, take-overs of our companies, we hate it yeah. because usually, even if they're at a premium, uh, sometimes we have really good businesses that are compounding at 15 or 20% a year ongoing and they get taken out. It's yeah. really bad because yeah. there's not that many of those around. Yeah. Uh, so we generally don't welcome it. Uh, sometimes you get a situation where a bad company you know, that's performing really poorly, yeah. I'm not saying this is, uh, yeah. gets a, a big takeover uh, price, and in which case you want to take it. Yeah. And you'd yeah, be happy and yeah. say, yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's very hard. The thing is, you, is an investor can't control it. No. All you can do is react to what it is at the time. Yep. And sometimes they're, uh, like if it's a takeover, off, takeover offer, uh, like IRI, for instance, yeah. which has, had, has been struggling for a while now, and they had a, a, a takeover offer which I think was at 40% or higher above than premium. the current uh, premium. Uh, I would say, Yes, please. And of course, what did management say? Uh, grossly undervalued the business and right. they've got a plan and, and you go, well, okay, let's see how that works out. Because yeah. there's a whole history in Australia of CEOs and boards rejecting um, uh, generous takeover offers on the basis that they will outperform that and then
0: doing much worse. Right. Okay. How do you approach it, Julia?
1: <laughs> it depends on how, how much of a premium they willing to offer, generally as a rule of thumb for a change of control, you're looking at a 30% premium, um, either to the weighted average share price over a period of time or to the last traded share price. I think in this particular instance, it was a 27% premium, so that was pretty close. And Yum, Yum Groups was already Uh, dealing with dragon tail so their order flow system which looks at the order from the kitchen all the way to the delivery drivers was already in their pizza hut so they were working together as well so i guess if you want to try and pick takeover players sometimes it's all about going through the major shareholder list with a fine-tuned mm. tooth comb, um, and also maybe having a look at some of those partnerships as well. But if you've been offered an all-cash offer that's been accepted, well, there's not much you can do nah. except, I guess, buy into the parent company. But that dilutes the growth story of Dragon Tail because you're buying into a completely different business um, yep. with those restaurant brands and franchises.
0: Exactly. All right, our final stock comes from thing uh, is asking for a view, Julia, on TPG Telecom. Feng uh, says TPG has been trading up over the last couple of weeks since it reached um, multi year lows in May. Is it still a buy at the current prices?
1: Yeah I think TPG has been trading at a discount this year and part of that has been the amount of um, discounting that we have seen in that mobile space but that discounting does appear to be lifting and that's being driven by the big brands like Telstra Um, and of course um, TPG um, it means that conditions are improving for them as well so getting better when I have a look at the telcos I think the next big major catalyst for the telcos is the 5G network Telstra already says uh, was a aiming for having 85% of uh, the Australian population covered by 5G by the end of June, so about now, whereas TPG target is by the end of the year. Um, I think TPG, in terms of the amount of spectrum that it got, it was a little bit less than what the market had been expecting, um, which probably doesn't bode too well. But also, when I have a look at things like Vodafone versus Telstra, which uh, essentially is usually the question Um, a lot of people that i know are moving away from australian capital cities at the moment into more regional areas and for anyone who's tried to do any internet or phone in a regional australian city i've traveled Throughout Australia for work, especially the regional towns, you know that, you know, Telstra is pretty much the gold standard and the way that you're going to communicate. Mm. So I feel like that migration away from the capital cities might actually work in favour of Telstra rather than TPG at the moment, together with, you know, possible capital return over the the towers that they've sold. I think I would prefer Telstra to TPG, but Mm. TPG definitely looks like a value play here as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mark big problem with TPG is the their rock star manager David Teo. David Teo, who founder uh, founder who yeah. put the uh, Vodafone deal together with yeah. um, all of a sudden left
2: well I don't, I don't we weren't surprised we, we knew we, we, we this is a company the team of has been invested in for a long time as yeah. your members yeah. um, I actually I bailed when uh, the Vodafone, announcement was um, announced that they were merging. Right. This is before it got blocked right. by the ACCC. Uh, but at that point, they'd already been barred from using Huawei, which was yeah. a Chinese technology. Yeah. And remember, their whole plan, David Teo's plan, was to exempt uh, Telstra and get in and build this low-cost 5G network and blitz them. It was yeah. a great, great plan. Yeah. You know, and it was a profitable business, founded with massive skin in the game. We were yeah. all in. Yeah. And then that got unraveled. First of all, the government, through no fault of theirs, yeah. government blocked uh, Huawei which killed their competitive advantage yeah. uh, and then then they, they merging with Vodafone made sense because Vodafone had uh, a very strong uh, position in phone in, in mobiles and they had yeah. a strong position in uh, internet yeah. so you know there was a cross-selling opportunity yeah. but uh, Vodafone's never made any money it's been a massive loss maker and uh, you, were, you were taking a massive loss-making English-owned company into a success, successful entrepreneurial company with we okay well Maybe uh, you know David Teer will be chairman. It yeah. uh, may still be okay, but that wasn't you know I wasn't I wasn't cool with that, so I decided yeah. to bail, which I did. Yeah. Uh, quite a few members still kept it for longer. Yeah. Uh, and it hasn't crashed or anything. Yeah. On the financials, it actually looks pretty good at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's on uh, the bottom of the green on the P ratio. P is nine, and it's got EPS growth rate averaging fourteen percent a year for the last okay. five years. So uh, it's it's below our return on equity just for the last year, but that's. Uh, you know, let's call it COVID for sake of argument. Yeah. Um, and we're showing returning between 5% a year on a margin of safety and 24% a year on default. So it's being discounted fairly heavily because that recent drop yeah. On, yeah. on our modelling. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say it's a buy. Uh, having said that, uh, I wouldn't buy it because um, um, David Teo has gone now and it's lost the yeah. appeal that it had for me. Uh, I have bought though, or we, we, anyone who was an existing shareholder got in species shares in 2S. UAS, yes. which is a Singapore, Singapore which uh, yep. the, um, TPG owned, and David Teo lives in Singapore. Right. So basically, what he did was he was establishing a currently 4G, but updating to 5G uh, network in Singapore. Vodafone in the merger didn't want that, so he said, "Fine, no worries, take it out." and they did an in specie to shareholders so ah. a lot of our members got those right. and I've bought some since because it's actually trading at less than net tangible assets ah. uh, it's not making a profit yet it's market caps yes. about 300 million and the code is uh, TUA the right. TO is the major shareholder and all the key players and the main investors in TPG own the rest right and they're all buying heavily on market or they have right. been right so okay. so they all think it's uh, it's going to be so that's where I, I, I am but right. I haven't bet the house on it I've just got a yeah. uh, got an interest nice in it
0: all right. Let's uh, just recap the final uh, five stocks um, for the portfolio. G8, education, a hold from Julia, uh, a no from Mark, a no from near map for, from both. Uh, freelancer, a no from Mark. If you want to invest in freelancer, it could be a value buy, according to Julia, but just do a little bit. Dragon Tail no, because it's a takeover. Uh, TPG on the uh, team invest metrics. Yeah, looks a buy at the moment. Mark prefers TUA, though, in uh, in Singapore. Uh, Julia prefers Telstra. Uh, Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us I on know. this Tuesday.
1: Hope to see you in the office soon.
0: Yeah, excellent. Mark Morland from Team Invest. Always great to have you on board. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, that's it for uh, today for the call. If you've got any stocks that you'd like to uh us to take a look at, put them in an email to us, the call at osbiz.com.au or via Twitter using the at TV uh, handle. Um, all of the stocks in the Calls Portfolio, you can have a look at those at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want a full wrap up of the day in the business and markets, subscribe to the Osbiz newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, the Close of Business podcast, link to the most popular um, interviews subscribe, osbiz.co forward slash the C-O-B. And uh, the latest company to list on the stock exchange is a fintech called Button um, and Chief Executive Raul Ross joins us next to tell us about the first day of trade and plans for the future that's coming up right here and on Osbiz at one fifteen Eastern and uh, full analysis of the Reserve Bank's uh, interest rate decision. Um, and analysis of the economy coming up at 2.30 when that Reserve Bank decision drops with Annette and the team. So uh, a very busy afternoon here on Osbys. We'll be back after the break. Planning for your next trip?